Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel Podcast. I am here, uh, we're doing a little bit something different. I'm here at Mr. Scott Satterley's house in Spokane, Washington, getting ready for a match. And we decided to uh, pull out the recorder and do a quick impromptu uh, podcast. So I'm here with Scott Satterley, Nico Detour, and joining us from the East Coast. Oh my gosh, Keith Baker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you guys doing this morning? Pretty good. We had adventures in flying last night with Keith. He came in and I freaking totally locked the front door. And <laughs> I got not, this. not on purpose, bro. Sorry about that. It was 31 degrees. Thank God I got upgraded from the uh, compact car to the midsize car because the front seat was a little better. <laughs> <laughs> totally screwed that up. Yeah. I think I, the van was open. You could have jumped in there. I was going to. I almost did. Yeah. I actually tried climbing into the trunk, and there's a ledge of about two inches there. It didn't work out real good. Uh, back to the front seat. Well, Scott's real strategy was taking on another competitor. <laughs> Trying to degrade his more than More than one way to win. Right. There you go. Right. So I wanted to uh, take the opportunity, since we have a very talented group of uh, individuals here this morning, before everybody else gets in, before we go zero and the weekend starts, uh, to sit down and chat with you guys. And... Um, Kind of talk about the sport, you know, where, where things are, where things are going, that maybe some differences that uh, we see on the West Coast versus the East Coast and, you know, what uh, what we can do to continue the, the growth and explosion of this sport nationwide. Yeah. So, yeah, I used to live on the East Coast. Um, I lived out in Virginia um, when the sport kind of blew up, you know, we had... At the time, there was probably, I don't know, five, five to nine matches total. Nationwide, you know, you had Rifles Only, Mammoth, you had um, Zach Smith and his competition dynamic right. stuff. I mean, it was just kind of, um, you know, kind of slim pickings as far as what we had. So, um, and it was always kind of a trek. Even, you know, even from Virginia, it was kind of a trek to get anywhere. Um, but now that the explosion of the sport, I mean, there, there's kind of a geographical advantage I think sometimes live live out east. There's uh, population density, shooter density. The matches typically draw a lot more folks, which I think makes the match tougher. I don't think, I mean, you can artificially make a match tough, put small targets out there, reduce times, make weird positions, and just you know turn it turn it into kind of a circus show. But that still doesn't make the match tough to win. Right. What makes the tap the match tough to win is who shows up. Right? That's it's competition. That's kind of my belief, and it, it doesn't really matter if you're, you know, out west shooting a high wind field match, or you're out east. I think sometimes out east, when guys are talking about these meatball matches or whatever, I, I could care less. That's a harder match to win, I think, because everything's hittable. There isn't a ton of wind. There's no can't make one mistake. You can't make a single mistake and expect to win the match, right? So, right. and that's you know that's a tougher. That's a tougher match. That's a, a different kind of mindset. I know a lot of guys, they want the smaller targets. They want to shoot, you know, really far away, high winds or whatever. But um, I actually kind of like the stress of those those uh, high percentage hit uh, matches. Um, Absolutely. So, you guys, if you're hearing the, the, the noise in the background, that's Scott's puppy taking a drink. Don't mind, don't mind her. <laughs> she, she's an awesome dog. So <laughs> that, that, that's not Nico making sound effects. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be good at something. <laughs> so, I mean, what is what is your take on things, Keith? This is your first time to <clears throat> excuse me. This is your first time to the West Coast. Um, I mean, you're as far west as we can get out here in Washington, pretty much. I uh, I can't really say a whole lot yet because I haven't been out here shooting. Uh, I know the last time I came out west, I went to Oklahoma and got my butt absolutely handed to me learned a lot so now i went a whole lot farther north and we'll you know see what you know what, what it's like out here um i like the people in the sport that's that's the big thing for me um i like the opposite i like the small targets low percentage of hit matches i think i love so now that we're getting so many people in the sport, we're getting just we're getting just massive amounts of people. The curve is going to grow. Okay, right. now we got how many people in club series practicing and, and all this stuff. So now you got guys that are actually practicing. You got 
hundreds of guys that are practicing, thousands of guys that are practicing, and eventually that's going to build to a higher point. And I want to see what I'm fascinated every day with the capabilities of a high power rifle is and what you can do with it and how far you can push it. And I want to see how far it can go. I want to see how small of a target and how much you can get your heart broke and crushed. It's probably not the best for the sport to have where guys aren't going out and getting big hit factors and it's one with a 70% hit factor and third place is 50, you know. But it also lets that one shooter who it just does it all together just stand so much above everybody else and say, here is the bar. That's where it's at. Instead, you know, so from the sport, I don't think it grows it. For technology and my drive, that's what I want to see. I want to see where the top is. I want to shoot against the best shooters in the country every time. I don't want to go to a match that doesn't have Dave Preston there or Satterley there or Vibbert there or Matt there or whatever. I mean, I want to go against the best, and I want to say, okay, because those guys are going to show up every time. So I can guarantee if I'm shooting against Dave that I know where Dave's going to be. And I can say, okay, I am 8% behind Dave Mm -hmm. or whatever, and today I'm 30% behind him, or the next day I'm 1% behind him or I'm 4% ahead of him. But I get to see where that lays every time, and so I get to judge my personal ability against that, which is what this sport is for me. I want to see how far I can go. I, I mean, I don't really care who wins. I mean, I want to win, but I want to see where my abilities are, where they progress, and how to move them forward. And that's what I like about the, I think when we get to a really small target, hard to hit, everybody's heartbroken at the end of the thing, man, it sucks, you know, the, it got killed. But then you see those six, eight, seven guys that just all of a sudden they just crush it anyway. And that's where the bar is. And I want to see, I want to see what we do to keep pushing that up higher because 10 years ago, I mean, anybody could, I mean, you take our, our, the, the middle low guys, they'd be winning matches every time, you know? And so I want to see where it goes. That's, that's my, I mean, so it's a very interesting perspective because you know, at, at what you're talking about from how I'm perceiving it is, you know, the top 20 are always, 20% of the shooters in the nation are always going to need to be challenged in order to continue to see where the sport can go. But in order for the sport to grow, um, we need more people involved. So don't we need to cater to that other 80% of mid-range to low-end shooters to get them more involved without discouraging them? In the sport, absolutely, absolutely. I think there's right. a there's a couple of there's a couple of match directors that really got their shit together when it comes to that. Like I thought, NorCal was a really good match because, I mean, nobody knew where we. I mean, the top five guys were like, I don't know, man. Yeah, nobody, you know, I mean, nobody knew, right? Yeah, and it was like I really didn't feel like I shot that good, um, but everybody still had fun, right. right? So, so there's that. There's that aspect of it, and it's not just about you know hitting targets. Hitting targets obviously is fun, but so is the atmosphere, the oh, people absolutely. that you're shooting with, and and I think that's really how we how we can still challenge the top level shooters and still make it fun for for the guys getting into the sport as well. Is it's it's all about I think the atmosphere and the camaraderie of it. I think there I think that's in some ways being kind of undertoned and you know i've i you know i've had a bunch of conversations with guys like tate streeter and rick reeves and i'm i'm more on the lines i mean don't get me wrong i i I like the challenge of not not being able to make a mistake and have you know so-called i don't think they're meatball matches but a kind of a, a high percentage match but i also like the challenge of the other matches, especially if it's still a fun match, like, right? Right. Like NorCal. I mean, I, and I just—that's just the most recent one. Or even, um, even the, um, uh, gosh, the Gunworks match. I thought there was uh, there was enough win and enough smallest targets that it's kind of like, you know, that was yeah, it was a it was a challenge. Match. Like, <laughs> even, uh, like Jake, Jake's got a, um, Jake is probably the hot hand I think when it comes to match directors right now. He just has a he knows how to challenge the shooters and still have guys hit targets, right? right? He, he, he has a winning formula. He kills I mean, it, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Uh, he's done a phenomenal job with it. Um, 
And good match directors, I'm noticing now, they're starting to do the combination of the two. They'll have a series of targets where you've got eight or nine targets that most guys are going to hit, and then a couple that you're going to have to be spot on to hit. In, a, in, in, a, in one, so stage one, you, maybe it's big smalls. Maybe it's whatever. And so a guy who's not sh- having a good day is going to shoot six or seven of them, okay? But the guy that's crushing it, that can make that two shots that on each stage that are pretty difficult to make, and then they make them all day long, yep. those are the guys that are crushing it. And I think that's the balance there yep. because the meatball match is great. And, I mean, and like I say, the same guy wins. Right. It's not like that it ends up d- d- dividing the field or making a difference or really – I, you know, the only reason I said that I, I like the other is I personally like that, and I just want to see how far this can go. I want to see how gotcha. small of targets we can hit at what distance and how crazy a, of times we can do it in and stand on. I just really think that's it's awesome, and, it, and it's personally fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. For the sport, I think we need a fair hit. Fa- I mean, I think... I think 70 I think in the, bad weather is good. 70 in bad weather, exactly. Yeah, I think... You know, as soon as we start getting past eighty-five percent, I think then maybe we're we're starting to creep into the into. I don't want, I don't want to call it a boring match, but you it's know, a little too soft. It's too, too easy. soft. Yeah, a little too soft. So it, it's interesting to hear because there's a ton of different talent here. I mean, Scott, you you're an OG of the sport, so to speak. You know. <laughs> You've been around for a long time, Keith. You and I, you know, we've been friends for a little while. I don't know exactly when you got into I'm, the sport. I'm new to but, the sport. I'm green. You know, and then Nico, you've been in the circuit for about two years now, and you're still three, you're, three years. Okay, sorry, three years now. Has it been that long since mm-hmm. you started? Oh my god, too long, buddy. Woo, three long. years now. Flies when you're doing time, right? And, and you're creeping up in the ranks of, of the sport. And I know you and I've had some discussions about it. Um, you know, with the growth of the sport and the, the number of matches that are popping up, I mean, next year, 2019, NRL has 21 matches, 20 uh, regular season and championship. Um, the PRS, you know, they're going to have 20 plus. Um, I don't know if they're going to stay with that high 40 number or where they're going to be end up. But, you know, there's essentially a match every weekend now. How do you a guys, match. a big match, a national level match mm-hmm. every weekend? I mean, the club matches, I mean, you're talking about the, the North uh, Northwest yesterday. You have 70-something matches in just your your, yep. your region. Yeah, within a five-hour drive. Yeah, that's wow. That's insane, right? Yeah. I wish I had that in California. I, I mean, we're lucky if we get to shoot once a month. You're lucky <laughs> you can shoot. Touche. Touche. But... How do we, as shooters, mm-hmm. you know, um, I know, you know, we're here for the National Rifle League, but all of you guys have competed in PRS. You know, the, you know, I started our video production with the PRS and, yep. and whatnot. Um, how do you guys pick and choose what events are, are, are suited for you or which events you're going to go to? Because, you know, some people say, well, that's an easy points match, so I'm going to go that way in either series. Some people say, well, these are just the ones that happen to be closer to me. Um, for somebody who's who is kind of getting into the sport, maybe you know it's their first or second year. What is there a strategy to picking matches, or do you just go to what you know seem to be the funnest matches? I mean, what? How do you guys do that? Because I I shoot whenever I get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's how I pick my matches, whether it's PRS or NRL or club or whatever it is. I think. Well, I'll handle this one. I think for me, it's first of all is geographical, right? So there's there's um, three big, four big matches within uh, five to six hour drive of of us here in here in Spokane, and then after that, I have to start really weighing what my drive time is going to be because we're looking at, you know, the next match is out in Wyoming. That's a nine hour drive, and right. then and then there's another one, fourteen hour drive, and now we're starting to talk about Utah, Colorado, Vegas. You know, those are those are 18 to 20 hour drives or a flight, right? So, um, at that point, um, last few years, I mean, before I had my knee surgery, I was I was looking at the matches that I was kind of familiar with that I knew would be fun, and that, and that's kind of how I I picked my matches. But this year, 
I picked matches that I thought would develop me more as a shooter. Like uh, NorCal is a good example. I don't have a very good record at NorCal. I think the best I ever placed there was in the 20s or something like that before because it's typically fast part-times, you know, and that's not one of my strong suits. So I went there to, to try to develop right? Right. and challenge myself. And then... Um, and I looked at, I like to do new matches too. Like Jake had the high, the high angle one, right, I, I wanted right. to tell you right match. I wanted to go to that one. Um, I was unfamiliar with the Montana match. I think it was new. I kind of wanted to go there. So, um, that's kind of how I'm picking my matches from here on out is to like, I still need to get to Oklahoma more often. That's a, that's a spot that kicks my butt. Like Keith was saying, it's right. just one of those matches that's, it's tough, you know? And, um, and that's how I'm going to start picking my matches in the future. Again, geographical, and then after that, what is going to make me a better shooter? Whether I do well there or not, it doesn't matter. If it's going to make me better, that's what I'm interested in. Right, so growth, yeah. personal growth. Personal growth, yeah. Awesome. How about for you, Keith? You know, I would say the exact same answer. So for initially, it was whatever I could drive to within 14 hours because... So you have a 14-hour window, drive window. 15, yeah, 14, 15. 15. Hours, yeah. And, and, but... So almost everything is 5 to 15 for me. Right. I mean, there's a couple that are two inside of five hours. Gotcha. Okay. You know, and that's it. Um, and then everything else is 9, 12, 13, 15, you know. So uh, that's, so originally it's just whatever I could drive to because it costs so much money to, you know. It's to fly, it, yeah. It, well, it costs a ton to fly, and it costs a ton to drive. I mean, it's time. So if it's after that, then I got another day off work. Right. I have another hotel day. Right. I have to figure, you know, so we've got it down where we all drive all night together, you know, so we can get a couple hours of sleep apiece. Yep, we and, do the same thing. And try and do the same thing and uh, and try and get where we can cut a day off of it and then be back to work sooner. But, you know, you take a couple days off work, you got a couple hundred dollar entry fee, you got a couple, it's a thousand dollars to go to a match. Right. And so... Uh, so geographically is first. Then now it's evolved into what's going to help me the best. Why am I out here? Because I don't shoot out here. Okay. So I need to come out here and shoot out here just like in Oklahoma. I'll go back to Oklahoma. I learned so much at Oklahoma. It was, I mean, my shooting came up probably 30% after I came back from Oklahoma. Wow, that's huge. Because I knew what to practice. I knew what that's my huge. mistakes were and how to practice those mistakes. So I analyze my mistakes after every match. That's what I do. I sit down and, you know, uh, even, you know, the two matches earlier this year, I'm riding home with, you know, the four guys, and they're like, hey, man, aren't you great? You won. And I'm like, dude, man, I screwed this up. I screwed this up. I screwed this up. And I'm going all the way home. And they're like, man, aren't you excited? I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm trying to figure out how I'm not going to screw all this stuff up again. So I'm going, I'm beating myself up. I'm not mad at myself. I'm just like, okay, I made this mistake, I made this mistake, I made this mistake, and I made this mistake. And I just go over it in my head a thousand times. And then I'm like, how do I practice that mistake away? So then I, then I have that list of crap I got to deal with. Well, now I'm going to come out here and figure out a new list. A new list. <laughs> and then I'm going to go, you know, hopefully here to Idaho in two weeks and figure out a new list. And then when I go to Texas, I'll figure out a new list, you know. Actually, so. you know, this is probably a really good prep match for Idaho. Um, haven't shot there once before. They, um, Jack and Nate like to like positions off of off of rocks. Yep. And, I mean, it's it's just a cool, it's a cool venue. It's a cool place to it's shoot. Very cool venue. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. How about you, Nico? Top secret formula. <laughs> can't talk about it. I'm, so, not, I'm not privileged to discuss. So, so wherever the contingency X man's going, you're jumping in. Hey, top secret formula. Not a privilege to discuss at this time, thank you. But the the biggest thing that I've been asked before that is actually kind of like a devil devil's advocate question is: Do you poach or do you search for specific matches? that you know you can do well. Like, all right, some of these top guys aren't going to this match, so I can slide into this easier match and, you know, beat up on these guys and take the win. Do you do that? I sign up four months ahead of time, so I have no idea who's showing up. My answer is absolutely not. You know what? If, If, as far as I'm concerned, if I don't consider for the top shooters in the country to be there... I don't know that I did that good a job. If I yeah. if I walked home with that with a win, 
I'm like, you're not, you're really not going there for good. an easy win to try and poach or hunt because that out. The, the guys that do that are never going to get anywhere. No. You are a product of your competition. The only way you're going to get better is to put yourself up against where they're at, see where they're at, and learn from it. Absolutely. And, and that's true with anything in life. It is. Fact. I, I mean, it's who it, you shoot against. It's, like I said, I mean, at the first, on the outset, it's, it's not... You know whether or not a match is hard or easy. I mean, you, I can I can design a course of fire that forty percent would win it right. in a good day. You know, or you know, and as a match director, I could probably come. You know, we were talking about this last night. If I reduced part times down to seventy seconds, made really small targets, I can predict within you know five or six guys who's going to win the match. Right. You know, so I, you can kind of control the outcome a little bit on that end. But um, but yeah, I mean the way things are set up, you just yeah, I have no idea who's going to show up. And you sign up pretty quick, so it's like anybody could jump in. But. Yeah. And I think there's there's a there's a, a way to kind of, um, I don't know, it's hard to say. I, you know, guys will say, oh, man, you can, you can you know, guys are going to these matches because it's going to be easy points whether they win it or not. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention to that too much, and I don't really care, right. to be honest with you. It's just, let's just go shoot, have fun. It's a rifle match. Let's see where we where we all stack up at the end of the year. And um, oh. crickets, crickets. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going <laughs> on. I'm going on. But the 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 thing that's always kind of excited me more than anything has been that cl- the club series. The right. I think that's the grassroots. That's that's the reason why you know we have forty matches a year now. Is is you've got. And a lot of these guys aren't going to shoot the twenty or the two day matches. They're not going to be heavily invested in that. Right. But and when you go to uh, it's exciting. Like uh, Kevin Ditto did that Upper Nisqually match. I mean, it's a tough little match. It's like six hundred yard range. It's fifty yards wide. There's no wind. I mean, it's it's tree line with you know fir trees the whole length of the range. Perfect. But super hard to shoot. It's super hard to win that match. But you know, it started off with like ten, twelve guys showing up. We'd shoot four stages. By you know, and be done by two o'clock, and now you'd have seventy dudes showing up wow. to this match, right? And they're instead of running one stage at a time, basically one squad. Now they 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 figured out how to do three stages at a time, fifty yards wide, you know, and it's it's fun. That's the exciting part is when you see these, or even Can M for that example, when he's got a, a one day match. I mean, the whole East Coast shows up. I mean, right. it's really exciting. So that's that's where I see the growth of the sport. It well, is. We've got a club series. I mean, we've got local matches where I live that are Wednesday night matches. Eight stages on a Wednesday night, 70 rounds. That's awesome. And there's 30 guys showing up for it oh, yeah. every night. And there's 40 the next week, and, and they're doing it in the evenings. And, and I mean, it's it's awesome. Your barrel gets the crap beat out of it. But, you know, and, and it's some of the best course of fire that I've shot. You right. know, I mean... So, Plus, it allows you to work on stuff. That you, like, I go to those matches because there's stuff I suck at, right? And, and, that's, and that's what I go to work on, right? I mean, we all suck at something, right? You know, and, it, and for me, it's typically, it's not necessarily time management. It's just, I don't shoot fast. So that's... What you I don't been, shoot fast. I've been working on that all year. <laughs> Bullshit. No, seriously. I've been, working, I've been working on that all year. I still feel rushed. Right, so once I get to the point where I can slow stuff down in my mind enough, then, then I won't feel like I'll actually feel like I shoot fast, you know. Gotcha. Because even NorCal with 90 second stages, I didn't time out, but I felt rushed. Yeah. And I want to get to. You've taken where... some money from me shooting fast, so we'll just we'll just leave it. <laughs> two dollars. I still have that two dollar bill. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. For sure. Everybody's got two dollar bill from Travis. Those things are awesome. It's a challenge. That was so much fun. It's a challenge. I, I go out there to encourage people to push their limits. And then uh, the last $2 challenge, I just got completely smoked. Yeah. Nicole, Nicole beat me up bad. We were playing... We were playing uh, Brittany. Brittany. <laughs> Brittany beat me up. Yeah. yeah just like right on like, the left. Uh, yeah. Cornhole. Cornhole. Yep. yep. That, that was a ton of fun. So I don't know how many air balls I had. Like the first 10 shots is like... So the great Scott Saturday <laughs> got beat by a girl. Oh, Yeah. You know, speaking of that, speaking of that um, I finally beat. Uh, 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 You're thinking of 
Milkovich. Oh, yeah. Jim? Jim? Yeah, I finally beat her this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's only been like five years. <laughs> Completely skunked every time we shoot. We just get smashed, but yeah. yeah she's a. So now we're like one in 15. Right, making a comeback. Right? Making a comeback. Come she's a she's an anomaly. She's just a phenomenal shooter. She's a great shooter. She, yeah. Great person, great shooter, and a great ambassador for the sport. Absolutely. We um, we touched base briefly uh, throughout this conversation about the growth of the sport, and you know we are fortunate enough to be here last night. Thank you, Scott. Um, and we had a pretty lengthy conversation about the growth of the sport, uh, in particular ROs and professionalism and things of that nature. And you guys had some some interesting thoughts and ideas about self-ROing, um, which I didn't understand quite at first, you know. Um, and then after you kind of broke it down for me, it kind of it makes more sense. Um, so I'd like to open up that conversation again a little bit because I know Keith, you had mentioned this morning that you guys do a lot of self-ROing at your range as well. It just started and it's working pretty well. I mean, it's you not know, always pretty. It's but. not, and and. You know, you're still going to have the shooters. I'm going to, I don't know, the shooters that aren't doing well looking for excuses are going to blame it all on that and everything else that they can. But as far as it's really, what it does, it puts all the the shooters just kind of, they kind of knit back together again when they self-RO. Everybody's kind of working as a group. So instead of a, you know, some some matches, I mean, a fun match is when the whole squad moves together and they become a team over a couple days and they're talking about stuff. And the ones where each one jumps ahead of the other, it's good for, for certain things, but for at the end of the match coming together and say, wow, man, I got to shoot with these 10 guys that I don't normally shoot with and I got to know them really well over a couple days. Well, the self-ROing kind of forces everybody to watch each other shooting, be all together it's kind of a neat little deal that at the end of uh, end of a day that you really get to know guys even more than you normally would, and especially new shooters. The new shooter now has to spend his time on glass too. Um, yeah, he, you're actually developing ROs. Yeah, right. I mean, because um, bef- uh, and we've been doing it for a while out here, and and I think it's it's part of the whole development of the sport. I think you know my my ideas on it have been. You know, to my detriment sometimes, you know, I, I'm highly defensive of it. But um, the, you know, when, and we used to have like squad moms, right, out right. here. And and basically the, the guys would go first or shoot last. And then um, we've kind of switched that up to where now, hey, you got a shooting order. And, you know, you either shooting first. If you're shooting last, you're on glass or running the, running the tablet. You know, and and that what that does is that gets everybody actively involved in the, in every shot. You know, so it's in the long run you're 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 de- you're developing good spotters, you're developing good ROs, you're developing you know uh, a new shooter that you know hey you're not, you got to go first, come up with a plan. You right. know? Um, and and um, so so it's 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 very developmental, right? So and I think we're at the baby steps of it. Um, but you had another concept or another, uh, yeah, the 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 referee. I don't, yeah, I, yeah. No, so, another idea mm-hmm. to go along with that, right? So the way the way we ran, uh, we tried it. It was a kind of an experimental thing, and there there was some snafus with it. Not terrible. It wasn't like we're outwardly cheating. I mean, there was the perception sometimes that uh, a guy read the course of fire and thought of something different or better than the other guys and they perceived that as well you didn't you weren't you know with uh, the intent of the stage right. and I was the like, spirit of the stage yeah the spirit and of the stage each stage, RO, each squad may view that differently exactly they may tackle the problem differently but I think that's the beauty of this sport more than anything that you know and I'm you know if I see somebody do something and they hit more targets than me. I was like, man, I wish gamer. I would have. Right? I wish I would have thought of that. I never look at it as, oh, that guy's a gamer, or you know, that's not the intent of the like, stage. Damn, that guy freaking thought it through. That guy outthought me, which right. is what this, what's so what, what this sport is. Moving technology right. forward. And that's, that's right. The only way it happens. That's right. The just a shooting technique. I was like, man, I wish I would have thought of that. Or you know, that's really cool, really cool idea. I wish you know, I probably would should have done that instead. Um, but you know, but that's that's the evolution of it. Where you know, I look at I look at the sport as you know, I got originally got into the sport 
I know some guys get into it because they want to be a better hunter or whatever. I got into the sport because I thought the better I the better I could shoot, the longer I would live. Right. So there's right. a um, and and so I never look at it as a sport where somebody's cheating because you can't cheat in a gunfight. Either win it or lose it. Right. Right. So and I always looked at this uh, a long range match as I can go get in a gunfight with a hundred different dudes, lose and walk away, and learn something. Right. Right. Instead of it, you know, damn, I lost, you know, gathering flies on the ground. So, um, but that's, I don't know, that's just my unique perspective on it. And, but I think professionalism is going to be one of those things that's developed. Um, and I think as our sport grows and expands, um, our Achilles tenon right now is the requirement for ROs. And until I think until we get to the to the level where you know everybody is out there um, with professionalism first and foremost, and the, the 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 cost of cheating or you know having an honor violation or you know ethically or morally corrupt, um, I think we have to turn that out. Or or train it out, or you know, progress it out right. by you know through these club series, you know, having being self ROed, um, and it's going to be ugly. I think. I mean, it has been ugly. We had a guy cheat last year, but he'll never shoot a long gun again right. in Washington, and that's the cost, or, right? That's the price. Organization. I mean, that that whole story went viral. I mean, that story went viral, and you know, I think his and the New Mexico guy. Yep, and the New Mexico guy with yeah. Zach Smith's. Yeah, guys. I mean, it, and, and that's that's the cost of it. It's going to be ugly, um, but I don't think that ugly period is going to last very long. I think, um, like you look at golf, you have 140 guys out there. Most of them will, if they, you know, ground their club, you know, and the ball moves, they'll declare it. Right. You know, and it's just it's on the honor system, and I think that's that's the next level that we need to try to achieve as a sport, where you know, we can have an, a referee in each area. Say you have, you know, I typically run a match, a 20-stage match. I've got four areas of five stages, and I have kind of a referee in each one of those areas. If there's a question, where's the targets, you know, what's we don't understand the match book, or can we shoot from here, that's what that guy's there for. After that, you know, you have um, the squads basically are on. And there's going to be a tendency, I think, initially for guys to be like well you know i didn't want to call that a miss you know he's my friend and i mean that that is human that's a, there's a human nature yeah, factor there you don't need to reinvent the wheel look at what idpa uspsa like we talk about that it's you'll have a squad mom that's officially trained ro you know for the stage and but he runs the same stage he's there to shoot he just happens to get a free spot because he's a trained ro to keep everyone safe and keep things running but he gets scored by just same way like everyone else. I go up, I score him. He goes up, scores mine. So you don't need to reinvent the wheel. They already do that. The squad scores themselves. Yeah, and I think you have a squad mom and a ref. Yeah, I think there's potential. You know, so we're starting to have hit indicators. You know, lit hit indicators. Right, well, huge. Yeah, if you can send a light beam, you can send uh, a radio yeah, message as well, right? To where you know you can have it set up, and it would be kind of an expensive. Um, expensive endeavor up front, but I think it'll end up paying for itself because now instead of I mean you look at, at, at NorCal for example, one of the best run matches in the in the country in my opinion, but they had fifty plus ROs and eighty shooters, right? I, I would have liked to see 120 shooters and ten ROs, right? I mean that would be um, you know, because then now we get to compete against those local guys. And I actually like that. I like to go into somebody else's territory and see see how I stack see up you, against right. guys, you know, because I can learn from these guys. Like, I'm picking Brian Sanders' brain, like, what does this win mean? You know, at a <laughs> thousand yard range, he's like, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> thanks, man. No, I mean, right. but good luck. Good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's definitely blowing left to right. I'm like, Yep, definitely more left or right. I just don't know what that means. I can see that. I just don't know what that means. Anyway, that's just, you know, that's probably a long-winded answer of, you know, I think we need to eventually be – I don't think it's going to happen overnight either. I don't, I don't have any illusions of 
you know, next next year we're all going to be self ROed. But I think that's that's where we should try to achieve, right? right. Keep testing at the club well. You level. can't have sixty matches a year and have ROs and have that it's twenty ROs right. per match that aren't making anything. It's costing them that man. are rarely even getting thanked well enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, that. That was it. all that, right? I mean, yeah, you know, and argue match, with. Sure, get to experience it all. Yeah, and, and I yelled at by all these guys, jerseys, <laughs> and that thousand dollar travel time to go to a match is six, seven hundred dollars for them too, right? Because they just don't have an entry fee and they get nothing out of it, right? So that's tough to, tough to overcome. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is there anything that you guys do on the East Coast differently as far as self ROing? It's just got started really at the club series stuff, okay. and uh, it's been working pretty well on the club series stuff. Generally, we try and they generally pick a shooter that is a veteran shooter or somebody who they can experience, and, and, and that guy is kind of running that state or that squad. Okay, so mm-hmm. he he goes out and satellites with that squad. And then generally they try and put two spotters on glass, but they can't always, you know. But that guy is basically in charge, is the RO for that squad, but shooting in that squad. They started by having him shoot first on every stage because they gave him a free entry fee, Mm -hmm. okay, initially. And then he was the first one to shoot. And he was, so he would set the tone for the stage. He would shoot first. Everybody else would deal. He got there for free anyway. So now he went ahead and do it. Now that we've evolved from that to where he generally pays half of what the other, everybody else does. Mm -hmm. And then he rotates in. And, but he basically determines the stage. And then there's a match director that they call on the radio. If there's any discrepancy or questions about how one's, how a stage is run. Where you run into a problem with it, though, is when you have uh, the gaming aspect, which is which is what I, I mean, I love about the sport. It, but so thinking. you the, the thinking, <laughs> right? The thinking, right? Well, I mean, you know, how are we going to make changes if we don't see how far we can push it, and if we don't say it didn't say you can't move that sand ba- or that that hay bale, no. uh, it said you had to shoot off the hay bale. Well, can I turn it this way? Because it's a lot easier to shoot off this way. Yeah. You know, um, so, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, this guy on my squad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, but then, you know, so then the second crew that comes through, his RO says, no, that's not cool because he hasn't been running that stage the whole time. No, we're going to shoot it this way because it's as intended. So the match director has to do a little bit of work to figure out how to offset that or say none of the props can be touched or whatever, you know, little things like that or better description of how he wants it shot. Or there needs to be like you're doing where you have this. You have a ref. Hey, can we move the hay bale? Referee? No. The ref ref is a great idea. If you had one guy floating on like four stages and another guy floating on four stages and he makes those questionable calls, Mm -hmm. then it's doing essentially the same thing. Right. That's how we've been doing it at uh, Georgia Ortiz, his little, our little SoCal match. Because they got tired of just ROing because they want to shoot too. So right. they're like, all right, well, we'll have a squad mom and he'll be the overall RO. But he cycles in to shoot and we RO for him, right? Yeah. And really, so it's a, it's I nice. think it's going to end up being a function of necessity more than anything else. Because right. at the club level, it right, is. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that's just, it's going to evolve and it's going to happen. You know, and, and I think that's the trend, especially at the club level. So, I mean, once we have a population, you know, a shooter population that's used to, um, being self-ROed and, and, you know, basically uh, self-modulated through through a course of fire, um, you know, I think it's just a, it's a matter of time. Right. You know, so. so we've talked about the growth of the sport, but the reason we're all here this weekend is because we have the uh, Rock Lake match, which literally starts tomorrow, and we're supposed to be zeroing here in about an hour. Well, it started last night for Keith. <laughs> it started last night, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the gaming has begun. <laughs> so, like a lot of professional athletes, they have rituals or they have um, things that they do, lucky underwear, lucky whatever. Lucky There's chunks. a process of getting prepared for a match, whether that be physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever it may be. 
Is there anything, being that you guys are some of the best shooters in the country, is there anything that you guys do to prepare yourself for a match? Besides getting your gear ready and all the standard stuff that we're sleeping in the car. Minimum fit. Sleeping in the car. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky you made the cut. The intent was to take you out completely. (laughs) Right? It's going to be tougher to take him out. Um, Minimum fits of whiskey. Not really. Um, I I just check zero, check data, you know, make sure, you know, and I'll, if I have boxes, I'll like take one out of each box to make, you know, oh, yeah. I don't, it's just, I don't know, I think everybody's got their way, I know. But most of the time I've loaded my ammo up, like this ammo I'm shooting, I loaded that up a month ago. So, oh, I mean, yeah. Okay. So, because I had. It gets better you know, with age. It does get better. So you don't believe in that Regina Bovinich fresher is better? Fresher is better. I would actually agree with that. Fresher is better. But sometimes we don't have a choice. um, Good enough is good enough. Yeah. So um, over the last month, I've shot three matches, put on two clinics, went out to Brian Morgan's place, um, shot an elk. I mean, I just had... A lot going on. A lot going on. So, you know, for a retired guy, you'd be like, oh, man, Scott's got all this time in the world, you know. All he does is shoot all day. Not really. <laughs> you know, this is this is a good day, right? So That's a 100-yard range right there. That's right. I do have a 100-yard range right there, which is really nice. And I just... Is that a I could, cat? No, that's a real cat. Never mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's... There's, 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 there's bobcats out here. There's bobcats out here. Squirrel. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's... I basically... Check the rifle, check the, and, and I do, I, I do what's called a, I guess, a reset. So I grab all my brass, put it in a bin, you know, uh, tumble it, size it, put it back in another bin, you know, and, and th- that's kind of like my processes. And then I'll go check ammo if I need ammo, I'll reload it and I'll make sure it's going the same speed and, you know, so, but I really don't, other than that, I don't like have my Guys will say, you know, they'll ask me, hey, what do you do for practice? I shoot matches. So I shoot the one-day matches for practice, right? Because right? it's really hard to, for me to go out to, to train and be honest with myself sometimes. You know, I, I can go out and work on stuff. I'll go out and work on trying to build a position in, say, 10 seconds or something like that. And I don't even shoot sometimes. So, um, But that's kind of what I've been doing for practice now is I'll – I'll try to build a position faster, and then the other thing I've been working on is getting on target faster, you know, especially these field fire events. That's kind of the key. You see guys hunting, pecking for targets because, right. you know, it's out in the middle of that. That's the the fifth sagebrush left of the giant rock next to the pine tree, right? So, I mean, that's that's your target description, and you have to find it. And sometimes it's, you know, the same color as everything else. You know, a lot of guys got away from painting targets, so... Um, like that's kind of what I've been working on. Are you using a shot timer on your practice yep. time to yep. so you can look back and see? Because yeah. that's, I do. I look how long it takes me to acquire my first target, how long it takes me to re-engage, how long it takes me for every movement, how long it takes me for a movement if I use a tripod. So do you know those times off the top of your head? I'm curious. How I long do. does it take? So it takes me typically 11 seconds to build my first position. Okay. If I build that position... Uh, from normal, and then I'm just going to re-engage. It's five five seconds in a match, six seconds if I'm practicing is what it takes me to re-engage. Six and a half sometimes. Then uh, my next movement is generally somewhere about 11 and a half seconds, and then I'm six seconds. Now, if I use a tripod, it takes me 18 seconds to make that move. Because you're deploying the tripod. No, Well, not deploying. I'm just setting a tripod that's already deployed. Okay, and so using just, it as, say, a rear support off a barricade. Gotcha. Okay? So it takes me typically 18 seconds to do that, but my follow-up shot's a second faster. Way faster. And it's more accurate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my initial... So if I have a real small target at distance that I know is too tight for me to really shoot normal, and there's enough time, I can do the math and say, okay, 18 seconds plus 5, I'm 23 seconds for two shots on that target. So and my my accuracy is going to be probably twenty five percent better. Yeah, sometimes wow. more or more or more. Yeah, especially depending if you got on a the really position. Wobbly front. Oh yeah, and if you're yeah. shooting off of a rope or a bungee cord or something like that, yeah, it's, it's now it's, it's it's worth like just the hit yeah. versus the other. So, yeah. 
And I, I use, I look at that shot clock every time. Shot clock goes, I, I treat it like I'm a USPSA shooter. I shoot, look at the clock, boom, look at the numbers, and where are the numbers? Give me the splits. Exactly. I look at the splits, and I mean, it, it, it tells me, and it's the same. So when I'm tight, it's that. When I'm not, it's not. Can I shoot faster? I can where can I shoot and make 100% hits in practice? And depending on and depending on that front support, sometimes my follow-up shot's wildly faster than with using a tripod and rear support. Insanely faster. Yeah. And what I liked about Philip Leo's match, the Gunworks match, was you, you had to deploy everything on the clock, which right. I thought was really cool. Because now you now you have to decide. And you're moving that to that. The last two matches have been that way, and I love it. I love it. because Anything you want to use. But... It has to be folded up. Completely deployed on the clock. So what does it do? It, it makes you technology. It makes you decide, mm-hmm. and it makes technology move forward, which is what it's about. Yeah. So now, guess what? Maybe really right stuff comes out with a air-deployed tripod. Okay? But what's the next step? Because what was the step five years ago? You know, what was the next step five years ago? Well, it's already moved to here. Yeah. Well, how fast can we push it? What can we push it yeah. to? If you're deploying it all on the clock, that's really what we're trying to do. So, guys, so guys, you know, I mean, they innovate, innovate, yeah. and, and they're practicing. You know, you know the, the. I think the you know the so, you know, we all go to a rifle match. You know, I mean, what are we? Why are we going? Right. Me, I'm mean, going to have fun. Sure, but what's fun? <laughs> right, what's fun? Hitting targets and spending fun, time right? with people I don't get to see every day. Exactly, but the reason why we come to a rifle match is to hit targets. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, that's that's the base base of it. So, um, I mean, I'm probably the least experienced shooter in this room, right? So I go to a match. I go, number one, to have fun. My main goal is not to zero a stage. That, seriously, that's my goal. I don't, I don't want a zero stage. I shot your match in Wyoming, and I was like, day one, I'm golden. I didn't zero a stage. Day two, 300 yards, I'm golden. Zero. What the? What just happened? What? Yeah. And I'm like, what? You know, and then luckily, Philip was on my squad, and he smacked me around and said, get your head out of your ass. And, yeah. you know, I, I ended up doing, you know, mid-pack, which is where I always am. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. that goes down to, you know, kind of what we were talking about with... I have a pretty good idea how long it takes me to do stuff, right? How to, how long does it take me to get it? Takes me about 15 seconds to deploy a tripod. Um, takes me about 11, 10 to 11 seconds to to build a position. Um, and that, that you kind of weight that into, you know, if they're really small targets, you know, sometimes it's worth making eight good trigger pulls versus ten. And get seven hits versus right. taking exactly. ten shots and getting six hits. I don't know how many times I've done that. And wish, man, you know what? That was stupid. I should have just tried to get eight good trigger pulls instead of all ten. Got all my shots off though. I know, right? So and, and, and you that's know, you how you get those fives and sixes versus yeah, yeah, that's the eights and nine. Sixes are the threes, right? You know? Exactly. Um, and you know, it's it's one of those things. Like uh, you know, guys, you know, and, and I'll joke around about it. Like if there's lead in the air, there's a chance, right? But you know, and that's, I kind of joke around and, you know, <laughs> I got a chance, man. But, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, you have to balance that. And that's what I like, I like about this sport is, you know, you're given a, a set of circumstances to try to work through and you, and, you know, you have X amount of gear and, you know, it's one of those things like, what I like about Jake's matches is he'll give you a problem to solve and you can solve it any way you want. He doesn't restrict your gear. Right. right. Um, because some guys are really good with one bag. So I like to use a tripod and rear support, um, you know, just because it's like, it's almost like a guarantee, right? So right. I may be slow, but I know I'm going to make eight hits, right? Versus, you know, trying to muscle through it with a game changer or something like that off some really funky position. And, you know, some guys are super good at that. And they'll, you know, it'll the score turns out the same in the end sometimes, but... I just like being able to solve the problem the way I see the problem instead of the way somebody else sees the problem. Tells you to solve yeah. it. Okay, so on that note, we're almost out of time here. So, quick question for each one of you. Keith, I'm going to start with you. It's the same question for all three of you. Top three items that you must always have at a match. Your three favorite things. You mean outside of your rifle? Outside your of your iPod. rifle. Yeah, outside of the standard You're talking about stuff. shooter support gear. Shooter support gear, something that okay. you, you won't go to a match without, obviously, besides you know your rifle, your scope. And my sandbag. 
I don't know. My sandbag is number one. <laughs> <laughs> Let there be no question. My kestrel is number two. And then probably my swirl by nose is number three. Yeah. I think um, choices. tripod. I carry a tripod hunting um, because I know what I can do with it. I can kill stuff at insanely far stuff, you know, off of a fence, off of a buckrail fence and a tripod. I know I can do that. Next would be game changer. Now that when I'm out hunting, the game changer is really hard to pill to swallow, depending on how far I'm gonna walk. Yeah, that's a heavy bag to carry. Yeah, but you know, with the zipper, I can I can dump the shit out, and or I can carry it there. And if I kill something big, I'll just leave it there and go buy another one. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then of course the kestrel. Kestrels probably you know when you look at at you know that's kind of what's taken us the the furthest I think is our computing power. Right. You know, and lasers. You know. Uh, we talked about that last night. Right, I think yeah. the most important things we carry is a laser, the computer, and your scope. Because the rifle, for anything, for yeah. a match. I mean, the gun is almost secondary. The caliber is almost secondary. Um, the accuracy of the rifle is secondary. It, I mean, it if, it, if it's, you know. It, you it, have to know how far it is. Right. You have to know what to do with that distance. Correct. And then you have to have a scope that does what the machine's telling you. To be able to see it. Yeah. Right. And does it so, every time. And it does it every time, right? <laughs> so, I mean, if you've got a, I mean, or know That's how it. to adjust it, right? right? So, because um, some scopes, you know, they might not be, you know, it might not be one mil per click. It might be 0.99 mils per click. And the further out you get, the worse that gouts are, right? right? Yeah. So. How about you, Nico? Well, on my favorites you already covered, the Game Changer, Tripod, and Swaros. So I'd have to go with number one. Well, number three or four, I guess it would be. Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> Dude, that was money. You cannot go to the match without Lucky Sour Patch Kids. All right, there you go. You come off that bad stage, you need a good pick-me-up, you pound a couple Sour Patch Kids, that got Scott Saturday back in the game. Fact. The game Changer, what Sour Patch Kids. Like? Uh, what else was there? Uh my little fix-it stick uh, toolkit because it's, it's just small, compact. I got my big Billy Badass toolkit, but that stays in the truck now. I just bring the little tiny fix-it stick. It has everything I need for my weapons. We system. actually used that in NorCal, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. I yeah. used it. In, I it's, used mine in New Hampshire. I had my trigger go down. It's small. It's I easy. You can do everything. I went right back to work, and mm-hmm. it's good to go. Nice. It's simple, yeah. right? Tiny, easy, lightweight to carry. Um, another big one that we saw is a cleaning rod. I mean, having a full-size cleaning rod is cool, but... You got a collapsible? You just a little three-piece or whatever collapsible. I've got one that fits that big. It's called a rapid rod. Jesus. It's, it's in my bag. It weighs nothing. I'll show it to you later. I mean, I'm so, I'm so that sounds so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, I've had a problem at a match with... Uh, my extractor broke when I was shooting my... Um, uh, 308 gas gun and literally my teammate and I became team ramrod I top load he freaking rack it out when I was done and we saw one in NorCal uh, what is it uh, Josh Clough I mean he got around second to chamber and we had to find a clean rod and Jack is around out yeah, so right, hmm. I would say those other than the obvious Kestrel and Swarrow and Tripod those are my next top three because they're mandatory equipment hmm. <laughs> awesome so well, they're shooter support gear that that you know doesn't take up that much space and it's kind of compact, like, tiny. Awesome. My bubble level actually is my most important thing. There you uh, go, right, Frank? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and on that note, guys, we have to get ready to go zero for this match this weekend. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, until next time, be safe, keep shooting. We look forward to seeing you out on the range. Take care. Boom shakalaka. <laughs>